You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Monday, December 20th, just baseball show. I was going to say Sunday because we're recording on a Sunday, but it's Monday, December 20th, getting you set for Christmas week. Jack McMullen, Aram Layton talking baseball. There isn't any snow on the ground in the Chicagoland area. There hasn't been any snow on the ground yet. It's not Christmas season, although you just made your way to Hard Rock Stadium where there is never any snow and you saw a, a dog shit football game. Oh, it was it was a banger of a football game. Come on. So we got Dolphins Jets. I dragged Peter along for the ride. Uh, at first, I was like, hey, Pete, you want to go watch Dolphins Jets? He's like, no, absolutely not. But I was like, dude, it's football. Like, we're going to be at a football game. It'll be fun. And once we got to the stadium, he's like, okay, I'm glad we came. It was cool. Good little rivalry. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like I told you before we recorded, both teams actively tried to lose. And the Dolphins were worse at losing, basically. And and won the game. I mean, did you see, by the way, did you see what they did with the uh, I don't know if you saw the clip on Twitter or anything. They went to do a, a fake punt and direct snapped it off of their guy's face mask and fumbled it. And that put, put the Jets straight back in the game. Like the Jets had so many chances. It was miserable to watch, but we're seven and seven as I'm wearing my Dolphins polo still. They are seven and seven. Um, yeah, we're in the in the hunt, in the hunt, as they like to call it. That's disgusting. I have to sit through Bears Vikings tonight. That's going to suck. I, I think we were talking about this too, Peter and I. We, we think the Bears are going to pull it off. I think so too. And I think Justin Fields could throw for like 300 yards. He's going to have two touchdowns and a pick. But somehow with Allen Robinson out, I think A-Rob still has COVID issues. Um, it's going to be this crazy barn burner because you've got Eddie Jackson in two starting corners out for the bears too, with COVID issues. I mean, that secondary is absolutely ravaged. If you're looking for a play tonight, it's probably Kirk cousins with the over in passing yards. Um, but you've got no idea how this shit's going to play out. I could see the bears winning. Um, I got to run something by you before we get into baseball. We're going to kind of call factor fluke on a lot of breakout campaigns from 2021 we're also going to dive into a certain rotation that I think is being disagreed on right now. Yeah. I think you and I think it's a good rotation. A lot of other people don't think it's a good rotation. Before yeah. we get into any of that non-baseball related thing, I just got my haircut on Saturday yes. morning. Uh, my mom, my brother, and my girlfriend have all given me so much shit. They say it looks terrible. <laughs> I think I look fine. What do you think? Well, it's short. It's short it's on short. the sides. I don't not like it. I think, right, I think it's solid. Like, I've got that like fade going on up top. You know what yeah. I mean? Do you feel like freer? Like, do you feel like you can feel the wind at your, at your ears almost? Yeah. I mean, like, you're yeah. like almost bald on the sides. I don't think so. I think this is just like short. Can you, can you pinch think... and grab the hair? Can you grab it? I can like, no, kind of. you just pinch your skin. You just pinched your skin. If you have it, if someone's like listening on, on just on, on iTunes or whatever, Apple podcasts or Spotify, whatever it may be, uh, you fully pinched your skin. Uh, so it's really short. You went with, with like the straight fade on the side. Look, I don't like getting haircuts often. So I'm always cool with getting it super short. And you know what the beautiful thing about hair is it grows. So it grows. tell them to get over it. Tell them to get over ah. it. It's not permanent. The hair will Thank grow. You. It'll be Thank okay. You. And I'm it's going your hair. On- 
It, it's your it hair. is my hair. It's this has been always hair. been a thing for me. I, I I always hated that. Like when family members would be like, "Oh, like why'd you do that to your hair? Why do you care? Like why do you care? It's not your <laughs> hair." Like, Listen, if I decided that it sucked, I could wear a hat. I could absolutely yes. just throw a hat on and we'll be fine there. We've got some um, sick just baseball hats you could rock. Sick just baseball hats. No, but they were just like my brother walked in and was like, "Are you enlisting?" And I was like, "You're such an <laughs> asshole." <laughs> It can kind of what else that you're enlisting. <laughs> oh, well, uh, agree to disagree on YouTube. Let us know in the comments if my haircut sucks. Also, if you want to tweet at us, let me know if my haircut sucks. I don't think it sucks. I think I look fine, actually. But you want to talk baseball now? Yes, yes. Enough haircut. No, yeah. So you saw you got some hate in regards to us thinking that the Blue Jays starting rotation could be elite this year yes what was that hate you know i mean it's it's gonna happen right but usually it's just a little bit more loud what was interesting is is that that post on tiktok where um you know we had it cut up of just us talking about the rotation and why we think he could be good and um i i felt like there was just a more overwhelming amount of just people dissecting it from so many different angles. That's what was fascinating to me. Usually you have like the consensus, a bunch of people hammering the same tired point, like, Oh, Kevin Gossman's going to take a step back next year. Maybe fine. he will. And we're, and we're going to get, we're going to get to that later with the, with the factor fluke. That's fine. But what was interesting to me is how people were spreading out all of their different criticisms about the take. So I was like, okay, let's talk about this. Some people saying Barrios is overrated. Uh, some people saying that Ryu is going to fall off a cliff to irrelevancy. So you might as well not even count on him being in, in the rotation. Um, everybody pretending that Alec Manoa doesn't exist for the sake of their argument. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Robbie Ray leaving all of a sudden is this massive, massive blow. Although people before were saying that Ray isn't going to replicate it this year. And now they're saying the same thing about Gossman. So I feel like we're doing laps a little bit. And you know what? I just think it's a good rotation balanced by veterans. You know, you have the veteran Ryu, who I still think at, even at his worst is going to be a solid back end guy. You totally. have a, a steady Jose Barrios is the perfect combination of vet who is still getting better. Gossman, yes, he just broke out, but he still has been around. Like you have some like safer bets, and then Alec Manoa. I was we were talking about it before we recorded. Like I think Alec Manoa can end up being better than all of them. So how do you not like that rotation? So can I walk through Barrios? Let's go one by one here. I I do want to start with Jose Barrios because 2018, 2019, he had two All Star campaigns. 2020, he was meh. I mean, 63 innings. He started 12 games. He had a four flat ERA. His whip was not good, um, but he was striking out 10 per nine. He was walking four per nine. Like the issue was command. And then 2021, obviously he finished his top 10 in AL Cy Young voting uh, and he leads the league in starts. Here's my thing with Barrios. When you want to knock him for being overrated, I look at durability, I look at electricity, and I look at results. Durability. 2018, he threw 192 innings. 2019, he threw 200 innings. 2020, he threw 63 innings. They played 60 games that year. 2021, he threw 192 innings. Durability is a check for me, right? Electricity, let's talk about that. He sits 94 with his fastball. He's got a nasty, nasty breaking ball that opponents are hitting 203 against, and he gets a 15% whiff rate on. And then opponents are hitting 150 against his changeup. That's a three-pitch mix. So he's got electricity. Now, success. He had it in 2021. The question is, does he replicate 2021 or does he revert back to the command issues of 2020? You look at 2018, 2019. I mean, this guy like wasn't wallowing in command issues. Barrios no. in 2018, under three walks per nine. 2019, he lowered that to 2.3 walks per nine. This guy is striking out north of a hitter every inning for his career, and he's walking less than three guys per nine innings. And, and he's got success. Yeah, and even more so, you know, you look at the percentages, like the percentage of hitters that he walks, career best last year at 5.8 walks, uh, you know, or 5.8% of the batters he faced, he walks. He struck out 26.1%. So a big 
a big factor, a big thing I look at is, you know, K minus BB percentage. And that would put him among the better pitchers in baseball at about 21%, just, just below that. Anything above 20% is great. Um, and, and I think a big portion of why we see this, because you just hit on a, a bunch of really important points on Barrios, but those are things that do not show up on the Savant page as much, at least a lot of the preliminary things you said, the durability, the, the consistency. And the weird thing with Barrios is that he's a little bit of the like defying the savant page a little bit. I am very much a believer in, you know, the more red, the better it is, especially when you really know what the stats represent. Some are more important than others, but generally speaking, most of the good players are mostly red and most of the bad players are mostly blue. It's it's pretty simple, right? But there's guys that are, uh, that just overperform a lot of those metrics. And I think Barrios has done it long enough now that we have to say like, yes, he overperforms those metrics. I don't think he's ever going to be like a front front line ace, just because I think he's just not quite going to be able to have that, that dominance that we see. But I think he's a solid number two that is showing us that he can keep getting better when you're posting career best walk rates and you're posting career best K rates as well. I mean, what else do you want to prove that a guy is trending in a better direction and continuing to get better and better? Like that's all I need to see. He's going to a more difficult ballpark to pitch in. That'll be interesting to follow, but he's a guy that gets a lot of ground balls. He's a guy that gets enough swing and miss. I don't see it being a a big time problem for him in general. And so I think that that one honestly is is not really negotiable for me. Like I'm very open to everybody's opinion. And I think like, if you're going to tell me Gossman's going to take a step back, you're going to tell me this guy's you know not as good as we think he is. That's fine. But I think to say that Barrios may not be a solid number three or number two starter, to me, that's just not even worth talking about because I think it's pretty clear and proven that that's the case and he continues to get better. Barrios is an established two. I don't know if he's a World Series winning one. He can yeah. be the one on an okay team, but you're signing up to try and win World Series, multiple yes. World Series, and Barrios can be the two. I think they've got the one. Like Manoa is a one. That's I think the he's going to be. Stuff. That's the stuff that Alec Manoa has. I mean, you look at Barrios, right? And you say, okay, he, he might be outperforming the Savant page. And I agree with you. You know, they obviously like Juan Soto, his page is entirely red. And then Kevin Newman's page yeah. is entirely blue. But you don't want to pigeonhole anybody into a color, right? Like Juan Soto is a red guy. Kevin Newman's a blue guy. If you did that, Barrios would be a blue guy. He is a blue guy now. He's a blue Jay. But like, if you said Barrios is below average because his savant numbers are low, then you're, you're not watching 94 and that hammer of a breaking ball and an effective changeup, and you're not watching a top five AL Cy Young finisher. So, like, I understand if you want to say that Jose Barrios is overrated, but when he comes back and he does this in 2022 and he performs up to his contract standard that he just set for himself with the extension, then let's talk again. Let's have this dialogue. He's the Absolutely. two, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I was just going to say, even at the worst case, right? Like he takes a small step back closer to where he was before. Okay. He's a really solid number three still. Like yeah. that's, that's still a good rotation, but sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say, I mean, like if he is the two, if he performs to the standard, he just set for himself as the two Manoa can take that jump to the one as early as this year, because he's a college arm. He's a guy that has enough innings in the minor leagues and obviously has enough innings In the major leagues now in 2021, you and I are in love with what Alec Manoa does on the mound every fifth day. And here's the funniest thing about Manoa. If you like baseball savant pages, go go check out Alec Manoa's. It's all red. And that was as a rookie. And and this is somebody that, you know, deep in the prospect realm and when I was hosting Locked on MLB prospects, I kept saying Alec Manoa, Alec Manoa, like keep watching this guy because I watched him pretty closely at West Virginia, uh, especially in, in the regional when they hosted the regional um, or that would have been the super regional for the first time in like 50 years. Um, And just watching him out there, he's fiery. He almost sometimes to his detriment. I think they kind of were working on keeping those emotions, using them, but, but staying a little bit more even keel. And I think he found a way to do that more so too. And that was part of the reason why he got such an aggressive minor league assignment. They wanted him with the older guys. Um, And he went straight to the upper level minor leagues and then, you know, was clearly ready for the big leagues pretty quickly. The thing I like about Manoa is that his arsenal plays off of it, uh, off of itself really well. And that's something I'm always looking for in pitchers, right? Tunneling is the big word, but no matter how you describe it, when you have a four seamer with a tunnel life that plays up in the zone, uh, then you have a slider that works off of your sinker because he has the four seamer and then he has the sinker. 
the slider sinker combination is lethal. What, what I really hate to see sometimes is the sinker changeup combination because they're so similar, similar action. And we've talked about that in the past. If you don't have good velo separation, now guys are able to kind of eliminate a region and, and put the bat on the ball. Those guys struggle to get swings and misses. Even Sixto Sanchez does. That's part of the reason why. So he's got the four seamer up. He's got the slider that overlays with the sinker really well. And then he's got the changeup that works off the four seamer. So every yeah. pitch kind of works off each off of itself. And as he continues to get better at sequencing those pitches, to me, that's the only thing that's really holding him back. And nothing's holding him back. That's the only thing stopping him from being an ace. That and maybe a slight, slight improvement in command, but he's already pretty solid. I mean, he only walked 8% of batters last year, closer to 9%. Uh, the most important metric for me, is sliders that guys swing at that hit them. And Alec Manoa led the league in that with just sliders that guys whiffed at and then got drilled. And that is a strike, by the way. I always, people ask me like, what is that? That's a strike. It sucks. It's a strike. It's legit. It's legit injury to insult. Um, And Manoa had several of those last year, just kind of a testament to how unreal uh, his slider is. The last thing I'll say is that every pitch in his arsenal was good last year. I mean, expected batting average on his four-seamer. 174 expected batting average on his slider 150 expected batting average on the sinker was 255 but remember that's a pitch that you're going to to get early contact and go deeper into games and then the changeup needs a little bit of work expected batting average on that is 282 but all four viable pitches like the, none of them are, are something that you're afraid to throw and that's why he was comfortable going to each of those pitches 25 percent or more of the time with the changeup sprinkled in at nine percent I, I just think this guy's got it all i think he's built to be in, in ace in this game and not to mention that he's six foot six uh, 260 pounds pretty effortless velo in life too so, so think about the arsenal right he throws the change up nine percent of the time so 91 percent of his arsenal 91 percent of what you see from alec manoa is a certain iteration of his fastball whether it be a four seamer up or a sinker that just bowling ball like it just rumbles into the zone or that slider that will hit people near the nuts and they still swing right yes. so like Alec Manoa, his deal, you mentioned the expecting batting average. The batting averages were good too. Like against the four-seam fastball, opponents hit 203 against it. They hit sub 150 against their slider. Manoa is a guy that just has crazy good stuff. And if you just totally shut down the changeup and said, fast four-seam fastball, sinker, slider, do it. We saw guys have insane success this year, whether it be for half a season with Waskari Noah or the entirety of the season with Freddie Peralta throwing only a fastball and a slider. You can get away with it now because of how much swing and miss there is in hitters games. And Manoa, like the way that baseball is trending and the way that his body kind of adapts. I mean, this guy, you mentioned it. He's six, six, he's a thick six, six, he's a horse. And he obviously knows how to tailor his pitches on a hitter by hitter basis. The walk rate, you said fine at 8%. I see a little bit high. But the more years you spend in Major League Baseball, the lower the walk rate gets. That's just how this works. You learn how yeah, to throw strikes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a rookie in the in the AL East, which, which was a tough division offensively, right? I mean, day in and day out, you're facing good hitters. And even the, the bad Orioles, like they had dudes that could swing the bat a little bit, right? Cedric Mullins could swing it. Mancini could swing it. Santander. Like there was no easy break in that division a bunch of dudes that could swing it and he had a lot of difficult starts day in and day out so I, I totally agree so I mean like to wrap up on this it just seems like you talk about Manoa you talk about Barrios even if Gosman takes a slight step back or a little bit of a step back and he's between what he was before and what he was last year like that's still a really good arm for you and then you got Ryu we'll see if they go and add one more guy Nate Pearson could end up still being somebody that comes in and helps like there's other people in the fold I think that this is still just a team that rotation wise, I don't know how you could deny the upside of this rotation. And it's that balance of safety and upside that I really like. Yeah. It's a rotation that I get very excited for. And I want to start with Kevin Gosman in our next exercise, but before we move on to Gosman, just a quick thought on Ryu from you. My quick thought on Hyunjin Ryu is yes, the stuff is not built to last. It's not built to dominate. Right. And you know, that that year that he had with L.A. before the big extension with Toronto felt fluky. It felt fluky to me. And I said, this isn't really going to work out. He had a good year with Toronto. And then 2021, he obviously took that step back. I don't think he's going to suck. Like, I don't think he's a triple A caliber pitcher. I think he's a really good five or a four. 
And that's what the Blue Jays are asking him to be. If you signed him yeah. to be a one, which they did financially, like that's not what you're going to get. But I think Toronto knew that. I think they knew that was the price for a very consistent back-end starter. And they paid it, and they've got a consistent back-end starter moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the guy throws strikes, right? I mean, he doesn't walk anybody <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> He's top 5% of the league all the time uh, in that department. You look at the numbers last year, like, yeah, they weren't great. But all of the expected stats, all of the fielding independent pitching, like anything you look at was pretty on par with what he was. So if he gives you that again next year, if he's a 4-3 ERA guy walking nobody and still getting a decent amount of swing and miss, that's fine. Like That's fine. Uh, that's why what's interesting to me is the chase rates were really high, but the strikeout rates were not where you would think they would be. So it could be a little bit of a tweak here as he ages to kind of find what works. And, you know, I'm not comparing him to this guy, but CC Sabathia, right? Like he really looked like he was slowing down and didn't have enough left. And uh, when the VLO dipped down, it was like, okay, how am I going to get guys out? He kind of reinvented himself. He starts throwing a cutter and he was able to, to, to get in on guys' hands and be effective. Like I think Ryu is, is so talented excuse me, and his ability to throw strikes and just his ability to pound the zone and mix it up with an assortment of pitches. Like this guy could figure it out and kind of have this later little renaissance in his, in his career by just being different than he was before. Cause what he was doing before wasn't working. Yeah. Nothing like comparing a heavy set left-hander to another heavy set left-hander. Good <laughs> job, Aram. <laughs> hey, that, that's a little bit of stereotyping, but I mean, there's a reason why. And they both are Strike throwers. I mean, look at his arsenal. He's got so many different pitches. And guess what? He throws a cutter. Maybe he just leans on the cutter a bit more and, yeah. and tries to perfect that pitch more. Just saying. Yeah. He'll take all the cutters that Otani throws away from him and just say, yeah, I'll pocket those. I'll, I'll throw them myself. Because, you know, Shohei Otani, he, he's perfect except for that cutter on the mound. He's got to totally get away from the cutter. Um, let's start with Gosman just to, to tie a bow on the Blue Jay conversation and open the book on our factor fluke conversation. This feels like very beginnings of project the plate, just baseball, right? When we're playing factor fluke, we played it with a lot of factor teams fluke. in like May, um, but we're going to play factor fluke with a lot of breakout guys from the 2021 season. Let's start with Kevin Gosman. We're going to hit some other guys that earned Cy Young consideration. Uh, we're going to hit on some other guys who were MVP dark horses by the end of the year, but let's start in Toronto slash San Francisco with Kevin Gosman. I am going to call fact with Gosman. It's just been a long time coming with him. And when he was making his way through Baltimore system and in Baltimore, he had these trials and tribulations and everybody was saying, Oh my God, like this guy in Baltimore, this Gosman cat in Baltimore. I mean, just wait till this guy's unlocked. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden he became the poster boy for Baltimore's ineptitude when it comes to developing pitching. And once he gets out of Baltimore, it, it took a little bit. The Giants were the right team to get Kevin Gosman out there. I don't know how many years Kevin Gosman has left of this type of stuff because his type of stuff is the stuff that will dwindle as you get older. Gosman's 30. When he gets to 33, I don't think he's as good as he was this past year in San Francisco. But I'm going to call fact because for the next two to three years, Kevin Gosman I think is going to put together really solid years for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I think that it's, it's an interesting one because factor fluke gives you, gives you two options, right? And I think he's somewhere in between those two. But if I have to side with one, I'm going to say facts just because of the, just because he literally, he had one of the best pitches in baseball. And that's not something that you can, you can do by accident. That split finger was the top 10 pitch in baseball by run value, by a lot of different metrics that you look at. But here's the thing with Gossman. His fastball isn't good. Like it upticked in below a little bit uh, from a couple of years prior, but pretty much still on par, maybe down a tick from 2020. Uh, it's not a great pitch. It gets hit pretty well, even in his great year in 2020, great year last year. That was a pitch that got hit to about a 270 to 290 clip between those two seasons. That's not really going to play. It plays, though, because his split finger is so dominant. My concern is that when that split finger is off, that's where we saw him get into some trouble because the fastball is not good. Uh, the, the slider is not great. His other variation of his changeup is not that good either. Uh, so you're really relying on that pitch. But the good news is it's one of the best pitches in baseball. So when, when I look at a Kevin Gossman, 
I just think that he can ride that pitch to do something close to what he did before or, or what he did last year. When 131 of your strikeouts are coming on that splitter, I mean, that is more than half. 131 on the splitter of 227 Ks. I mean, that kind of shows you that he doesn't need that much else. That's how good the pitch is. He could almost tell guys it's coming and throw it. People used to say that about Fernando Roddy. He could say, I'm throwing the splitter, throw it, and guys couldn't hit it. Uh, I think he's kind of in that boat. So that gives him a really high floor for me. I don't think the numbers are going to be what they were last year. But if you look at the first half and the second half for Gossman, I think he's going to be right in the middle of those two, uh, which you're going to take every day of the week. And I think is honestly right about uh, what the Blue Jays paid him to be. Uh, And that's why I think it's, it's fact, though I'm not counting on him being what he was for the first half of last year. Nobody is, or else he would have got $200 million. Right. Uh, Kevin Gosman is a career four ERA guy. He was two eight one in 2021. Are you happy with three, five? Yeah. With high K numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I think me too. Let's go to Robbie Ray now who just made his second all-star team. I mean, he, he's literally had two good years. He's played eight years in major league baseball. He's had two good years. They were both great. I mean, one of them was an all-star where he finished second in Cy Young voting, K-12 guys per nine innings back in 2017. Uh, And then this year, when he led the American League in ERA starts, innings, strikeouts, ERA plus, whip. I mean, yeah, he's the reigning Cy Young winner. I'm calling fluke on Robbie Ray. Mm. In 2020, he walked 45 guys in 51 innings. I mean, (laughs) he has problems. He has problems. You're going to see these starts that he makes in Seattle in 2022 where he's at the 100 pitch mark and it's the top of the fifth inning and he's only got one out and there are two guys on after he walked the two guys. Like that to me is just something where like, oh God, you know, you almost don't want to move when he's having a great start. When I was watching Robbie Ray in Toronto, I was like, oh God, this is almost like the time machine thing, right? You can't move a pen because then it changes how life moved forward after that. Um, That's how I think Robbie Ray starts are like, I can't move because, you know, he's through five shutout innings. Like if I turn the channel, they're going to hit a three run bomb against him after two walks to open the next inning. I I'm, I'm so nervous watching him because I feel like he is so volatile and, and that just scares me. I don't think you get any consistency from him. Yeah, this is one that's really tough for me because I, I think you all of the thoughts that you lay out are 100% things that cross my mind. I mean, 45 and, walks in 51 innings. <clears throat> no, it, it, it's just crazy. And, and like, yeah, you can come back and say, okay, well, he came back this year, made tweaks to his mechanics, and you know, obviously has much more lively velo, was going to the fastball a ton, commanded it well, and he only walked about 2.4 batters per nine. I don't know if he's going to replicate that. If he does, obviously, he's going to be in good shape. The thing that keeps me away from saying fluke is this. He goes from a ballpark. And, and you know, what is uh, outside of command? What is Robbie Ray's? What, what is one of his biggest weaknesses in terms of susceptibility? The bomb. The bomb, right? So he's going from a ballpark where he played all over last year, right? But they played and they moved from bandbox to bandbox. It was just places that... The ball goes in the air. I think we talked about this recently. Ball goes in the air. It hits a jet stream. It's gone. So he he played who's band box to band box, no matter where they were. Yes. The Rogers center isn't as much of a band box, but he didn't play in the Rogers center. So it was places where it it almost would have been probably one of the most hitter friendly environments up there with course. Now you take him from there and you're bringing him to one of the more pitcher friendly environments in all of baseball in Seattle at T-Mobile park, which if you look at park factor last year or over the last two years, that is the third most pitcher friendly ballpark in baseball. Obviously if you have command issues, that's not going to help you too much, but I'm looking at the one thing that burned Robbie Ray the most uh, this past year, even when he was spectacular and over the last few years, one of the highest home run to fly ball rates, meaning the percentage of fly balls that are hit off of him that leave the yard, always routinely high for him. Um, this, that's something that might just naturally improve. If that happens, you know, you, you have to just 
assume that across the board, he's going to be giving up less runs. I think he was going to give up more runs because if you look at every expected expected statistic, he was due to give up some more runs. So I think it kind of washes it out a little bit. I think the ERA is going to go up a tick, but he's kind of in the same boat as Gosman for me because of those other factors. And I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I don't feel great about it. I agree with a lot of your sentiments, but I do think the change of environment, I do love what the Mariners do with pitchers as well. I think they can continue to help Robbie Ray unlock what he's doing. And obviously he's on the right track. I think the ballpark's going to be huge for him and, and I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to, it's going to be a cautious purchase for me on this one. Yeah. Well, and you know why I totally hear what you're saying is the mechanical change. I put a lot of value in the mechanical change. I think that changing your delivery, um, it opens up this whole new realm of possibility for you that you didn't have open when you were stuck in your ways, right? You know, 29 year old Robbie Ray, he's 30 now, 29 year old Robbie Ray. I mean, if he said, well, you know, it hasn't worked yet, but it's going to work this year. I feel it. Like if he was just like, you know what, this is the year. I'm I'm selling that shit immediately. Yeah, no, no shot. No shot. No That's the thing I love to see tangible adjustments. When a guy tangible has a breakout. adjustments. Amen. I always talk about that with hitters, with hitters, especially because, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I love looking at pitchers, but hitters, when I'm doing prospect breakdowns, like that's, that's my thing. And when a guy has a breakout season, and we're going to talk about that too, with a couple of the offensive guys. Yeah. If I don't see a tangible adjustment and a lot of the swing and miss numbers are the same and a lot of the metrics are the same, I'm like, eh, what did he get better at? Like, like, yeah. how is this happening? Uh, but when I see an, an adjustment with the mechanics, the biomechanics of your swing, your pre-swing setup, whatever it may be. And now you're seeing the dividends and, you know, in the box score, that's what I want to see. That makes me feel a lot more confident in it. And that's, that's something with Ray that we saw a little bit. So I'm excited this year. Those are two pitchers on the top of my list that I'm most excited to watch just to kind of see how it all develops. And obviously we're rooting for them, uh, but it is going to be very interesting to see how it goes because both teams are looking for them to put them across, like take them to the next level. Both teams are really hoping for the Mariners. It's take them to the playoffs. The Jays, I know they've ended up finishing just short, but for them, it's Gossman's going to take them to the, you know, a a pennant potentially. So like that's, that's what they're looking for. I I think, I think those two guys, you know, much like you are, are at the top of a lot of people's radar because what does the encore look like? That's the big question. This is going to be their encore season. And is it still good or was it damn, I was just having an out of body experience during that show. And if I need to hop back on that stage, like I don't look as good. Um, They're also both on teams that I think we like, just personally like Toronto and Seattle. Full disclosure, totally do. Yeah, no, I do too. I like Toronto and Seattle. I want them to be World Series contenders this year. I don't think Seattle's there. I think Toronto's there. But you and I, the way we look at that Mariner system, the way that everybody looks at that Mariner system, Seattle is a World Series contender in like three years. I want to talk about one of those offensive guys right now, two of them. Let's start with Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill just finished up his first full season of Major League Baseball in 2021, and the guy hit 34 bombs, 80 driven in. He swiped 15 bags. He had his career-best OBP by north of 40 points. He had his career-best OPS by north of 110 points. He won his second straight gold glove. I mean... This guy is one of the fastest dudes in baseball. He's one of the strongest dudes in baseball, and he's one of the best defenders in baseball. He had a coming out party. Swings and misses a lot. A lot. lot. Like a lot. But I'm buying Tyler O'Neill. I think he's a superstar. Superstar. Yeah. I like it. Look, I I hope he is. Um, That's somebody that you know – St. Louis and, and all the fans will really latch on to. Uh, you look at the, the numbers across the board for him too. Again, another guy, the Savant page is crazy <laughs> with the red average exit velocity, max exit velocity, sprint speed, by the way, 98th percentile yeah. uh, outs above average in, in the outfield. Everything is phenomenal except for the K rate and the walk rate. And those are two things that can hold even the most supremely talented players back. What we saw last year is that he was able to improve those figures just enough to at least, you know, hang around. Uh, And I don't really compare it to 2020 because it was a shortened season. He did start to figure some of those things out. And I think he had a lot of bad luck uh, in a lot of ways last year. Uh, But then 2021 seemed to really just barrel everything once he did swing, you know, like once he did connect, I should say, 
it, it wasn't a problem. And that's the thing is like, okay, a guy's not making contact as frequently. That's a little bit concerning, but every single time Tyler O'Neill makes contact almost, it is hit hard and it is barreled. And that's the thing. So you have to have a supremely, supremely elite and efficient, uh, like, I guess I would, the word would be just quality of contact every time you make contact or else you're going to struggle because you don't set yourself up for consistent success. If you're Tyler O'Neill, the thing is, is his quality of contact is absurd every single time he connects with the baseball. And that, that's a stat that a lot of front offices are looking at now. I forget exactly what they call it, but it's basically like isolated power on contact. So every time yeah. you're making contact, what does the production look like? And for Tyler O'Neill, it's off the charts. So that's why I think he can continue to do what he's doing, though I think he's very susceptible for really rough patches. Like we could see him be non-competitive for months at a time, but he's also going to have those streaks because of that, because of that isolated power on contact where he's the best hitter in baseball for a month. And you're just going to have to ride that wave. If we're looking at making the most of your chances, which is what we're looking at. Tyler O'Neill does not fit the stereotype of the guys you typically look for in terms of isolated power on contact. Those guys look like Adam Dunn. They look like Ryan Howard. Peter and I just talked about Ryan Howard. We were, you know, making his Hall of Fame case. He's not a Hall of Famer, but Ryan Howard at the peak of his powers when he won his MVP, he was the best mistake hitter in baseball. He's the best mistake hitter of our generation at Bonds. Bonds was. But Ryan Howard, I mean, for that year, it was like, oh my God, this guy, when you throw a fastball center, when you miss with your fastball, he's taking this thing to the moon. And you have to, you have to restructure the way you think about that type of guy because it doesn't look like Ryan Howard anymore. No. It no. could look like Tyler O'Neill. Exactly. And that's the thing. Even when he's not, when Ryan Howard isn't hitting, he's a black hole of worthlessness. Like just being honest, right? Like, right. He was a bad defensive first baseman who couldn't run. When Tyler O'Neill isn't hitting great, even when he gets on base, he's a speedster. When he's playing defensively, he is a phenomenal a defender out there. He's a gold glover. Uh, so you're getting value in ways that you don't really see from a typical three true outcomes guy. And, and that is very important. And another reason why I think it hedges some of that concern I am, I'm buying it too. Uh, but again, be ready for a roller coaster ride because I think he's going to have some of the worst months in, in baseball over the next few years and some of the best months in baseball. And that's what happens with these types of players. But he's as far on that end of the spectrum, I think, as you're going to see, uh, even comparing him to the Adam Dunn's of the world. But he's able to impact the game in more ways, which makes him just, like you said, so rare. Yeah. Are, are you ready to latch on to the S word that I just dropped for him too or no? I think... Look, I I think he's going to be an all-star on several occasions. But like what I was going to ask you when you said that, like what is the what is the definition of a superstar? How many players in baseball are superstars? Um you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. that, and that's a ridiculous question, but like that is where I'm trying to like conceptualize this. Because no, no, yes, no, like I can see superstar qualities, but like what is a superstar? Yeah, no, it's not a ridiculous question. It's a fair question. Um, I think there are 10 to 15 superstars in baseball. So you're saying he can be a top 10 to 15 player in baseball? Yeah, absolutely. I hope you're right. I, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Interesting. That's, that's what, I'm not that far, but I can see why. And if it all works for him, 100%. I just think there's going to be too many ups and downs to be in the realm of the Aaron judges in the realm of even, you know, of course, I'm not going to get to Mookie Betts and Trout, but like the Aaron judges of the world are just so consistent offensively at this point. Right. right. I think you look at the Stantons of the world, what's holding him back from being top 15. It's the freaking roller coaster that you get with guys like that. Okay. Now do you view Stanton as a superstar? Honestly, in, in the pure form of baseball value to me, if, if we're talking top 15 player in baseball, no, he doesn't give you defensive value. Uh, he's a really, really insane power hitter. There's, we've never seen anything like it. And that's what's, that's what's really special about him. But I mean, look at the numbers when he's on the field, even you know, that was the big question. Was it on the field enough? So that's kind of a, a side topic. It's a little sidebar, but yeah, when he's on the field, he, outside of that MVP season that he had with the Marlins, which was the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. That was superstar. Yeah. Is he really there anymore? I don't know. I think he's 285, which is crazy. That's higher than I thought he'd be with the batting average and 35, 38 home runs, which is really great. But in today's game, it's not a superstar unless you're doing it with the glove too. So that's why I can see it. I'm open. 
to O'Neal eventually being a superstar, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, see, I I see Tyler O'Neill as the as the two eighty five with thirty eight bombs and and gold glove defense. Yeah, I think that's superstar. I th- I'm I'm nervous about the consistency. Know. I'll make my homework for next Monday to actually concoct a definition for superstar in baseball. Yeah, because, that might that might change it for me. Like right? if like, if we go broader, if you say top twenty five, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Here's what I'm going to do for next Monday. I mean, we're just, we're show planning right now for next Monday. I'm going to put together a definition of superstar in baseball. And we're going to list out the superstars that are active in major league baseball right now. So can we quit? Yeah. I would love to be like, do you think this guy's a superstar? Yes or no. We we could probably give a list of of 30 where 20 guys can fit into it or whatever it is. Let's do it. I like that. Look forward to next week. I'm in. Yeah. Everybody look forward to next week. Um, I don't think Brian Reynolds can ever get to the superstar realm. I think Brian Reynolds can be a star. Um, I'm buying Brian Reynolds. I really am. You know, I, I loved this guy when he had this, when he had the pencil stash at Vandy as a freshman and he was back there when I want to say he was a freshman when Dansby Swanson was in his draft year and Rhett Wiseman was in his draft year. And who else was on that team? Was that, that was, that was, Bueller, Fulmer, Tyler Beatty is the rotation. Tyler Be- yeah, that is a crazy rotation. That's Man, crazy Tyler Beatty. I would thought that guy would be better. Me too. Some of I those college guys Fulmer. just don't. Yeah, he just got selected in the minor league Rule Five draft. Yeah, like he didn't even get protected in the minor leagues. Yeah, it's just crazy. Some of those college guys, you don't know. It's crazy. But let me walk you through Brian Reynolds. In 2021, obviously, he had a great year. He finished 11th in NL MVP voting. It was his first all-star campaign. I mean, this guy put together um, the lowest strikeout rate, the highest walk rate of his career to this point, granted only three years, but he hit over 300. He's played a full 162-game season twice, and he's hit north of 300 in each of those. The walks went up. In 2019, his rookie year, he finished fourth in NL Rookie of the Year voting. He hit 314, but just a 377 OBP. Hit 302, so ticked down, but a 390 OBP, and he had an OPS over 900. He hit 24 bombs. Brian Reynolds, to me, is a guy who can have sneaky power in a pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark as a switch hitter. I mean, I like him. Like, I think this guy's in all in the all-star conversation pretty much every year for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So here's my thing. I think he could be a superstar. Really? Why can't, why can't he be a superstar? (sighs) Because he, to me, look, does he have as much of the, of the freakish ability of Tyler O'Neill? No. Right. I was going to say the wow factor. No. But he has a level of consistency that I think is just really impressive, balanced by just really impressive production. I don't know if he'll quite hit that next level of superstar, but I'm I'm I think it's more possible than people think. Uh, I think Pirates fans will tell you that he already is a superstar, probably right. But yeah. what I like about him is plus defender in center field too. Like the, this is in center field uh, where again, there's just not that many guys that are doing that. And then the switch hitting aspect is huge. He he is. I love, love, love his swing from the left side. His swing from the right side is great too. Uh, more power from the left side, and he's just a good contact guy from the right side. It's perfect. He he has a pretty even distribution um, in terms of his numbers across the board from each side of the plate. He's a top 12 percentile sprint speed guy. He cut the K rate down massively, like you said. He's walking more. He has big-time power capability, though. When you look at 90th percentile exit below, which is just how often is he hitting balls in the 90th percentile in that department, he's up there. And that's something that, to me, I'm seeing more power potential as he continues to get more comfortable and start to feel that he can leverage hitters' counts. He can attack more. He can be more aggressive at times. And he was really focused on being that consistent guy and being a well-rounded, all-around hitter. He's up the walk rate. He's dropped the K rate. Let's see him let it eat a little bit in hitters counts. I bet you he hits 35 home runs next year. And I don't think that the 302, 390, freaking 522 slash line is going to give that much. The guy got a base in nearly a 400 clip for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was the one dude you didn't want to pitch to on their entire lineup. And he's still patient. He still did damage. I I really think that if you put him on on that Cardinals team, 
he might have had one of the best seasons of baseball last year. Like, yeah, like he's Cedric Mullins year. level. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I don't see thirty-five from Brian Reynolds. There, you do. I can see it. Wow, why? I just, I just see a guy who has high quality contact, frequent contact, and again, like he really wasn't being that aggressive. He was really understanding that nobody wants to pitch to me. I'm like the only guy that can really, really swing it in this lineup right now. And I'm just gonna have to be patient. This is somebody that was walking a ton. And, and I think he's, I think we could see the walk rate even drop back down a little bit because he might want to let it eat or he's okay with being this guy. I think I could tell you through the first month of the season, if I think it's going to happen. Uh, But I think if he wants to go a little bit more to the, typical mold of today's hitters i think he could hit 35 but he might not want to be that guy he might want to be more of that throwback more steady across the board dude which then if he's doing that 25 homers with a 300 390 522 slash line in a pretty close to elite defense in center field how is that not a superstar like what is that yeah, I don't know. that. Again, I need to formulate a definition of superstar, and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, One more fault. guy. No, you're good. One more guy. Uh, Frankie Montas. I want to talk about Frankie Montas. Yeah. He's got electrifying stuff. He's got a high 90s fastball. I mean, when he's on, like, there's not – I probably can't count on two hands the number of pitchers that I want to watch more than Frankie Montas when he's firing on all cylinders. But this guy, I mean, like, it took a little bit for him to get this electrifying stuff. It was a long build to where he is. Are you buying him continuing to ascend, or are you saying that was the peak, 2021, right there? So that, that's the big question, Jack. And the way you phrased it, I think, is, is really important, right? Is 2021 the peak? That's the tough question, because I'm sold on what we saw but I don't know if he can continue to build off of that to the point where he's a frontline guy, because there's a few different things to look at with him. When it comes to the stuff, it's really freaking good. Like you said, and a big thing that I like from him is that his sinker was his worst pitch and it's his main pitch. uh, And he toned it down a little bit, right? Like throw your good pitches more and your bad pitches less. It sounds so freaking obvious, but you'd be surprised how many guys don't do it. You, you alluded to it with Otani and the cutter. <laughs> I don't know why he throws the cutter so much uh, when it's objectively just not a great pitch. Montes continues to refine that. And I think continues to find what's working for him. The four seamer has been a much better pitch for him. His split finger is outrageous. I think that what we saw from Montes last year, though, is probably the best of, of what we're going to get. Like, I think that's going to be, I think he can continue to duplicate that, but I'm not seeing enough from the other offerings to have a supreme level of confidence in this guy becoming more than what he was. I think he's a middle of the rotation arm who's going to give you flashes of an ace when it's all on. And he's going to give you some, some bad starts mixed in and he's going to end up evening out as, as a solid, exciting middle rotation guy. I mean, the command improved, but I just don't see enough with the rest of the arsenal outside of the split finger if he continues to refine that four seamer and phase out the sinker, we might be having a different conversation uh, because the, I think the four seamer is a lot better than the sinker and, and the slider just hasn't been great for him. So I think what we saw is what we can expect a lot moving forward, which to me is still a guy that you're okay trading. I think if you're Oakland, I don't think you're going to be really regretting it when he turns into some ace, but also you can get a huge return for if you're Oakland. And that's why I think he's a prime trade candidate as well. I, I think that's spot on with your thinking there. And, and the way I view Frankie Montas, I'll walk through my checklist again for pitchers. I'm looking at durability. I'm looking at electricity and success. Durability, it's not there. He threw 187 innings this year. He had never thrown more than 100 in any other season. I mean, this guy, like this was the first year that he was a full-time starter. Electricity, obviously there. It's been there his entire life. I mean, this guy with that with the high 90s fastball, you mentioned the splitter being absolutely elite, uh, and then the secondary offerings too, being nuts. Um, so durability, no. Electricity, yes. Success, one-year wonder right now. It was 2021. There, there's nothing 
before 2021 that indicates that he was capable of that. That just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think 2021 happens for him again. I agree with you there. What I think Frankie Montas is, you mentioned very solid middle of the rotation guy, good trade piece. If you live in the Bay Area, he's the pleasant surprise guy. If you have tickets for an A's game two months in advance and you check the probables and you see that Frankie Montas is the starter, you look at it and you're pleasantly surprised. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Like for me, if I had tickets to a White Sox game this year and I saw that Dallas Keuchel was the starter, I was like, ah, shit. Why do I have to go to this one? Yeah, no, I don't want to watch this. Right. But if I saw, you know, in May that Dylan Cease was the starter, it was like, oh, yeah, let's go. That's a pleasant surprise. I look forward to watching Dylan Cease. That's how I view Montas. Not the ace, not an ace for any team, but a pleasant surprise guy and a guy that I can absolutely watch when he makes a start. 100%. And that's that's the thing, too, is he's one of the more exciting middle of the rotation arms you'll see. I lean towards him still being something close to 2021. I just don't think he's going to be anything better than that. Like, I think that is probably the, the best of what we're going to see, which again, is a 28-year-old right-hander with control. If the durability is in the fold for him, still a really valuable piece. And I mean, dude, Oakland, it's funny because we talk about Oakland, we talk about teams that are going to be burning it down and, and Oakland's inevitably doing it. We speculated on Cleveland, but we also made them better. Um, with with Oakland, we know they're going to trade everybody away. Their system's miserable, and they're not going to pay these guys. But it's it's interesting because when I'm looking at each of their trade pieces, I'm like, this is kind of just a good team. <laughs> like yeah. them trading away, I'm like, oh, okay, you can trade this guy, you can trade this guy, you can trade this guy. This is going to get them a good return. This is going to get them a good return. I'm like, wait, you put all these guys wait, together, it's <laughs> yeah. a pretty decent team. It's a pretty decent team. But we know they're just they're just not going to do it, unfortunately. Um, and and it's a shame. But I'll tell you what, when they burn this down they might have the number one farm system in baseball. After you trade Loriano, after you trade guys like Montes, after you trade Matt Chapman, after you trade... Uh, Maybe I mean, Olsen. Like Olsen's going to get you... Yeah, Olsen's going to get you the dumbest return. Uh, if you trade Sean Murphy, dumb return. I mean, they are going to have from one of the worst systems to one of the best. I mean, they're getting everybody's best prospects and they're putting them all in one spot. That yeah. is a little bit exciting and they can go for closer to the big league ready guys. Uh, but yeah, all that to say, Montes, I would sell high if I'm Oakland right now. Yeah, I hear you. Every link you need is in the episode description. We hope you have a good week leading up to Christmas. Peter and I are going to talk to you tomorrow real quick. Buck Showalter is the manager of the Mets. Does it work? Yes or no? One word. I- I'm glad you said that. Nope. I got a few words. Oh, yes. Fine. Okay. No, how about, okay. Yes, because he can handle the media. That's it. And the personalities. Agreed. See you guys.